In 2004, I, uh, I became the uh, group's pastor of our church in Atlanta. It was a church that Cynthia and I had been a part of uh, starting. She was uh, one of the worship leaders there, and uh, we were having a blast. And, and I had just come on staff uh, back in 2004. And uh, in the fall, usually, you know, it's about the fall time of year, about this time of year, that you have this big emphasis on groups, right? And so you'll, you'll be hearing about that here in a few weeks from me and Chris. Uh, and uh, that was happening back in 2004. And so I was so excited because, because we had all these groups and all these new groups starting. And there was, um, there was this one series that we had that I was really excited about, and it was called God Views. And it was something that a lot of the groups, um, they were doing. And so I, um, I published, and I didn't have an assistant or anything like that, but um, I published a guide for all of our groups that year, and I was really proud of it. It looked good, man. It was sharp. It was on nice paper. It was folded nice. Like, it was really good. And um, on the day that we announced everything, one of my colleagues came to me, and he opened it up, and he goes, look at the study, God views. And I looked down, and um, I had made a typo. And I had switched the D and the G, and it was dog views. <laughs> Hundreds of them went out to people, and I was completely embarrassed. And I realized, I realized how critical it was. My mom always told me to check your work. And so anyway, I began to check my work and uh, had flashbacks of English class. And so anyway, it was uh, quite an interesting thing. H how many of you have ever made a mistake that was something, maybe not quite that detrimental, but like made some sort of error, some sort of typo, like, am I the only one? Yeah, we've all made those kind of errors, haven't we? It's amazing how one letter, one, one, um, you know, one period, one exclamation point, one comma, um, one word changes the meaning of something. It can really change the meaning of something. And today, we come to this sixth week in this eight-week series. We're taking a look at some of the most common phrases that we hear attributed to God that um, are not necessarily attributed to God, or we may miss the context, or we may miss the application, or we may not have an understanding of the meaning of what God is trying to communicate. And so we've been taking a look at these, and the one that we come to today is one that you've probably heard, you, you may have even said before, and it's that God says that um, money is the root of all evil. God didn't say that, did he? God didn't say that. There's one word or one phrase that's missing in that statement, and it makes a very, very big difference in the meaning of the statement. You see, the incorrect way to say what 1 Timothy is, where it comes from, 1 Timothy 6.10, and I want you to look at the first part of this. He says this, for the, what's that next word? The love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. And so it's the love of money. In fact, that's the, the incorrect way to say it is money is the root of all evil. The correct way to say the phrase that God did say is that the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, those two statements sound really similar. We might think it's the same thing, but it's really not. Because if we said that money is the root of all evil, pastors would preach a message that's like, don't have it, stay away from it. Like, that's what we would preach, right? But we don't preach those kind of messages when it comes to money. Because it's not that money's evil, it's the love of money that is the root 
of all evil. This is where the phrase comes from. It comes from 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. And if we say it the wrong way, we, we essentially render money itself as evil. And there's nothing in Scripture that's found that talks about money being evil. In fact, um, the Bible, I want you to hear this, the Bible speaks more about money and possessions than it does anything else, even the subject of heaven. God has a lot to say about money and how we use it. And so today, I want to dive in and take a look at what um, what God says about money. And, and if you've journeyed with us for a while, um, a lot of you have heard me talk a little bit about money, and you may have heard my own personal testimony. Um, those that I'm not going to share that today because it's on our website. You can go to our website, and you can go down um, to All In, and you can see actually my testimony on money and also many others. The, the other thing that I'm not going to do today is I'm not going to give any um, money advice. Trust me, you don't want me to give money advice, all right? So Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey, you know, your financial advisors, they're the ones that should be doing that, not a pastor. So I'm just, like, just keeping it real today, okay? So let's take a look at 1 Timothy 6.10, but let's read the whole thing. This is what he says to Timothy, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced them with many pangs. I think it's interesting here that the warning is to stay away from the love of money, to stay away from the love of money. And I also think it's interesting that it's the love of money that he says drives people away from the faith. This can be a, a huge stumbling block in, in, in many people's lives an obsession with or a love of money or a higher than should be value of money. But, but I want to point out that um, the problem that is brought up here is, uh, uh, with money is not money itself. The problem is our failure as people to recognize that how we spend money is an indicator of the depth of our relationship with God. And let's face it. That's a little bit of a difficult pill to swallow, but it's true, isn't it? It's true, isn't it? The problem is, is our failure to recognize that how we manage our money, how we steward the money that God has given us, which is really the concept, we'll get to that in a moment, um, and it's really an indicator of the depth of how well we know God. It's an indicator of our relationship with God, and as hard as that may sound and as difficult as that may be, um, it, it really is true. And, and I just want to kind of like um, just kind of break the tension for a moment because I know a lot of you are like, oh man, he's talking about money today. This is not what I wanted to hear. And, and you, you just feel like it's always like right in front of you. And you know, you go home and you talk about it. You go to work and you talk about it. You don't want to come to church and talk about it. I get it. But since God's word has more to say about this than anything else, it's something that we have to talk a lot about. I'll tell you that part of the tension that we have as people with the desire to love money is that what God's word says about money and what culture says about money are, are vastly different. Um, culture gives us the idea um, that we should look out always for ourselves. That's what culture says. That's what the world says. 
That's what business says. That's what athletics, that's what sports say, that we should look out for number one. But the Bible says that he who wants to be the greatest must be the least. I don't know if you know this, but the followers of Jesus, especially those 12 that we actually had a whole message series um, back in the, in the winter, I believe, on the 12 disciples. And those men who were closest to Jesus, one of the things that they were always doing was they were always directly and indirectly and sometimes subtly and sometimes not so subtly vying for position. And they would often ask Jesus about positional things. It's kind of where we just naturally go. And Jesus in Mark 9:35 was telling them, about what he thinks about this. And he said, and he sat down and he called the 12 and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And so you have this contrast between what culture tells us, what the world tells us, what business tells us, and what God tells us, what Jesus told us is the last shall be first. Culture says to look out for number one. The Bible says that he wants to be the greatest must be the servant. Culture tells us that we ought to get all that we can while we can, that we ought to strive for more and more and more. But the Bible says that it's better to give than receive. Check out Acts 20, verse 35. The writer Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, a history of the first church and what God was doing in that first century, said this. He said, in all things... I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so I want you to know first and foremost today that um, if it comes to money and this tension that you may feel about money, and especially that statement that money is an indicator or how we spend money is an indicator of the depth of our relationship with God. I want you to hear today from me, for those of you especially who are here, um, who are, you know, you are a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church, regular tender member of Hilton Head Island Community Church, but for all of you who are Christ followers, I want you to hear today that part of the reason that this is hard is because there's a huge difference between culture and what the Bible says, what culture says, and what the Bible says. And so this all isn't kind of conjured up in our minds. It's fed to us all the time. And it's why we should spend more and more time in God's word than we do in what the culture says. It's why we should spend more and more time with him than with our devices, as I hold my device and read the Bible. (laughs) I love Matthew 6, 21. Jesus is talking about this very subject. And he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, in a study of what the Bible really has to say about money and the love of money, um, we have to recognize that Jesus puts our heart and money in the same category. And essentially what he's saying here is he's saying that what we do with our money is going to indicate and it reveals how what we love. In fact, how we spend our money reveals what we love the most. 
I heard someone once say, if you want to know, this is back in the day when people actually kept checkbooks, but um, it could be applied to online or whatever, quick and whatever, however you use, um, it, you know, like if you want to really get a picture of what people really love in life, look at their checkbook. Look at how you spend money. It reveals what we love the most. And so my question is, is what do your current spending habits reveal about what you love the most in life? It's not an easy question to answer. It's something that we should wrestle with, though, because it is an indicator. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hebrews 11, verse 1, we talked about this last week. The writer of, of Hebrews says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And so in discussing what the Bible says about money, we have to look at what we love, but we also have to look at our generosity and our level of trust. And so I believe that our ability to be generous in giving is a direct reflection of our ability to trust God with our money. If we're people who have a love of money, it probably reveals that our heart is not really with God. And it's a great litmus test for us to consider that. But if we're people then who say that we love God and our money is being spent in the right place, then we also have to look at our generosity to find out are we really trusting God to provide. Part of my testimony, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but is that many years ago, uh, over 10 years ago, um, I began to back off on tithing as a family because I was afraid that I wouldn't have enough money. And so for me, there was this huge kind of um, dead reckoning moment in my life when I realized, my goodness, I, I, I don't trust God. Like, I trust God with my salvation. I might trust him with my family. I might trust him with security and safety. But I'm not trusting him with the thing that he says is really probably the most important thing, and that is how I spend my money. And so I want to ask you a second question today. What does your current level of generosity reveal about your level of trust in God's provision? See, this whole idea of the, the love of money being the root of all evil can be solved if we, as God's people, wrestle with what do we love and who do we trust? What do we love and who do we trust? See, our spending reveals love. And our generosity reveals trust. And so if we get those things right, if we just don't go to money itself and take a look at money itself and how much our, our uh, net worth is worth and how much we have saved up and how much our businesses are worth and how much they're making, if we go to this idea of what do we love, that's going to set us on a course to solve the problem of money in our life. If we go to the idea of who do we trust, that's going to set us on a course to trust God when there's a gap. This is a deeply personal message. I know for some of you, you're probably thinking of things right now. You're probably wondering, boy, where, where do my passions really lie? Where are my values? Who do I or what do I really love? Some of you may be thinking, do I really trust God when there's a gap? And those are fair questions to ask, and it's very personal, but it also is a corporate thing. And right now in the life of this church, 
um, we all collectively, not just individually, have an opportunity um, to trust God. And um, we're, we're in the middle of this generosity initiative. It started um, back in, at the beginning of 2018. We're calling it All In. And uh, no, I'm not a Clemson fan, but like All In is some of you who are, I don't, we probably don't have any Clemson fans in here today, do we, at all? Uh, there you go. That's right. But anyway, it's, uh, it's All In. And uh, we kicked this off a few years ago. Um, back in, at the beginning of 2018, and it goes through um, the end of June of 2020. It's a two-year generosity initiative. And, and we've said it's all in for our mission, for our future, and for the world. And we as a church wanted to, to have this effort that um, we um, had uh, several different opportunities, which we're going to hear about in a moment. And we added everything up and realized that um, if we were going to be a church that accomplish the things that God was beginning to open the doors on, um, we needed over the course of two years uh, a three and a half million dollars. Now, that sounds like a massive amount of money. Does it sound like a massive amount of money to you? It does. And so we launched our generosity initiative, and we had those of you who are part of Hilton Head Island Community Church um, help uh, raise money, and you, you put commitments in, and you wrote down what you were going to be committed to over the course of uh, the, the next two years, and 20, really 20, the rest of 2018, 19, and to the end of June of 2020. And um, it's really cool to see what God did in all of this. We have some goals, and we have some money that's been given, and then we have some gaps. And I want to show you this. Um, our goal was $3.5 million. Um, we had commitments of $3 million, which for our size church was really amazing. And that represented about 100 families giving and 100 individuals giving, which is awesome. Absolutely. Um, that's a gap between what we felt like God was asking us to do and what he did of about a half a million dollars. Seems like a lot of money. But I don't know about you. I'm trusting him for the rest. I'm trusting him for the rest. Our goal is $3.5 million. Right now, to date, we've actually received about $2.1, actually a little bit over that, uh, million dollars. And so there's this gap between what we felt like he wants us to do uh, with 3.5, and the gap is about $1.4 million. And, and so I'm talking on a corporate level right now because, I want, A, I wanted to update you on All In, and I wanted to update you on what God has been doing. But I know that you're probably thinking that there's some gaps that you have in your family and in your finances. And by the way, you can go to hiltonheadislandcc.org slash all-in to find out all the information on All In. But I want to talk about the gap for a moment. I want to talk about this, this delta, this difference between what we have and what we feel like God wants us to have or what we need in life because it's in those moments of the gap when sometimes the love of money becomes the thing that we strive after. And all of a sudden, if that's the thing that we strive after, all of a sudden our trust begins to shift from a deep abiding faith in God to a deep abiding faith in ourselves or maybe others or maybe someone to come in and save the day. And I want you to know that whether it's in your life privately or whether it's in our life as a church corporately, um, I don't doubt that God is powerful enough to fill the gap. He is powerful enough to fill the gap.
And for us as a church, he gave us a big vision. Talk about that in a moment. He gave us something that he wants us to accomplish. And I am believing him for every penny of that. And I want you to join me in that journey. Personally, for your life, and corporately for this church. I want you to join me in having this deep abiding faith that he is going to provide, that he is going to fill the gaps. Because here's the thing, church. Here's the thing, Christ follower. If we don't have gaps in our lives, and if we don't have gaps in our lives financially, it is very difficult for us to have our faith stretched. If everything comes easy and there are never any gaps, then there's never any reason or never any moment to actually have our faith exercised, to stretch how much we trust God in the gap, to be stretched spiritually, to be stretched in our belief. Yes, we have to do our part. Yes, for us as a church, it's going to take all of us participating. We have more than 100 families and individuals who are part of this church, by the way, all right? So, like, there's some of you who have jumped in with both feet, and it's awesome. And there's some of you that haven't yet, and that's cool. But I pray that you would join in and that you would play your part. But trust takes practice, doesn't it? Trusting God takes practice. And wherever you are right now, whatever God is revealing right now, whatever his Holy Spirit may reveal over the course of the next few days about where your love is, where your heart is, and the level of your faith and trust for God to provide, my prayer is, is that he would give you the confidence to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he can, he can, and he will cover the gap. Hebrews 11 Verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And I know that um, when a pastor or when a church talks about money, that there are some of you that probably have this thought in mind. You know, um, Todd, it's not that I don't trust God. I don't trust the church to spend my money the right way. And listen, I want to say this. Those of you who have been a part of a church, and, and maybe you've seen the stories and that sort of thing, um, we as a church, not we as Hilton Head Island Community Church, but capital C, we've done a very poor job at this in the past. And if you've been a part of something that was really ugly, I, I want to apologize. That stinks. It really does. It really does. We can be wounded in our spirit by something that may have happened in our past involving a church. Listen, I want you to hear today um, that God has given us a big vision. He's given us something great to accomplish, and he is beginning to do some amazing things. I, I want you to, to see what um, has been accomplished over just these past few weeks. You know, over these past few weeks and months, we've had a team go to Belize. We have a uh, missions project down there in, um, in San Marcos, this little tiny village in Belize. We've probably been there uh, about, I don't know, eight or nine times with the missions team. And this year we went down there and, and we had a group of kids who accepted Christ as their savior. This past week, we had Adventure Week. We had 53, I believe, kids here for Adventure Week. 
Like, if there are some things misplaced around our campus, you can blame them. Don't blame me, okay? I'm just kidding. You can probably blame me if it's misplaced. But we had 53 kids around here. It was awesome. And we had a bunch of them accept Christ as their Savior. Justin and his team took a group of 50-plus um, students to Big Stuff. Are there any students that went to Big Stuff in here? A few? I know I've seen a few. Um, there were two of our kids accepted Christ as their Savior at Big Stuff. And over the course of these past few weeks, I want you to see some of these pictures. Um, we have had 32 kids and people accept Christ as their Savior at Hilton Head Island Community Church. And I want you to be reminded, absolutely. I want you to be reminded that that's the reason that we do what we do. That's the reason that we do what we do. It's for that reason that God put in the mind of, of a group of people back in 2007 to, to begin a, a church in this community to reach out to those who, who may be disconnected in church. And it's amazing to see what God is doing. Also, um, I don't know if you saw when you drove up today, um, but we have a sign that you can actually see on Highway 278. Isn't that awesome? If you didn't see it today, that means you came from Sea Pines. And so you just go the other way next time to church, all right? So anyway, you'll see it, I promise. God's allowed us to go be able to purchase Building B, which is going to be called our community center. We've had three work days. How many of you have been a part of those work days over the course of these last few weeks? Raise your hand up high for a moment. I want to thank each and every one of you because you guys have saved tens of thousands of dollars. I'm going to ask Mike Newbold to come on up here this morning. Um, Mike is the chairman of, he's on our stewardship team. And Mike is the, um, he's the chairman of our all-in generosity initiative why don't you give it up for Mike Newbold this morning? Mike, first of all, uh, I want you to tell us a little bit about you and Bonnie, because your journey here uh, at Hilton Head Island Community Church has been long. Tell us about you, your getting here. Well, we, we were uh, blessed. Uh, we've uh, we'd visited the island for many, many years, and then about um, uh, a dozen years ago, we ran across this little church that was meeting on Office Park Road. Um, you had to go past the dry dock bar to get to the church, <laughs> but, but we found it. You still do. You, well, yeah, it moved well, too, yeah, but do, anyway, yeah, okay. But we found the church. Um, and one of the things that Bonnie and I liked right away uh, about uh, our church uh, when it was first planted, we were, it, it still carried the name Low Country then. It was the Hilton Head campus of Low Country. Yeah, uh, one of the things we liked is that... Um, uh, it was all about two things. It was all about the Great Commission and serving others. Um, our church, we're from Indianapolis, Indiana originally, um, and the church, our church in Indianapolis uh, had a couple of signs posted as you drive out of the parking lot. In case you forgot why you were there on Sunday morning, mm. it reminded us. And it just very simply said, love God and love others. Mm. The thing we liked about this congregation was that this congregation put that into action. And so when we made Hilton Head Island our full-time home three or four years ago, there was no doubt that this was going to be our, our church home at that point in time for that very reason, uh, being able to execute the Great Commission and being able to serve others. That's fantastic, man. I love that. I love that. You guys moved from Indiana, not Ohio, by the way. So anyway, yes. We did live in Ohio for There's a while. One. but yeah. Oh, man, I forgot about Short that. Short while, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, Mike, when I approached you because I knew that you had been in finance, you had been in banking, and I approached you back in late 2017, um, the idea of us purchasing this building up front, adding on to our campus was at, at the very best just a, a long shot of a possibility. Um, and, and then God began to do some things and began to put some pieces in place. And we had some meetings um, where you really stretched me. I thought I was coming into the meeting because pastors usually stretch finance people. Trust me, that's usually the way it works. And I thought maybe I'd stretch him. We got done with that meeting and he stretched me. And part of that had to do with the sign that went in. Tell us a little bit about some of those meetings that we had. Yeah, you know, it's tough when you get two control freaks in the same room uh, in a meeting. Well put. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that continued to, to strike Bonnie and I was that as this congregation grew, moved into this building, we were encountering much the same problem that took place on Office Park Road a dozen years ago, and that is we were running out of room, and that was impeding on the church's ability to, to complete its mission, to um, go out and execute the Great Commission and serve the community. And uh, so we began talking about, okay, A, we're out of room. B, we need a gateway because people can't find us. I, I serve once a month or so out here as a greeter uh, for the first service, and it's kind of interesting, particularly in the summertime uh, when we have visitors come around. They said, you know, you, you, we can't find you. I, we, we just happen to turn in here because Google Maps won't get us here. So... Um, that, coupled with the growth, uh, was impeding our ability to go out and, and execute our mission. So Todd and I began to talk. We met with the guys over at Hargrave. You talk about a God thing. Uh, Hargrave's chief financial officer and their chief administrative officer, both very strong Christian yeah. men, very strong Christian men. So we're sitting over there having a conversation with them about, you know, gee, could we, we need some more room. We need a gateway into the campus. Could we ever... Uh, get you to let go of building B? And the answer was, yeah, it's kind of a long shot. And and we kind of got a developer that's looking at uh, doing something different with that anyway. But thanks for visiting. Um, and we were, I remember walking back across the parking lot here thinking, you know, it's not done till it's done uh, yet. And over, gosh, what, a maybe a 45-day period? Yeah, absolutely. A, a number of God things happened. Hargrave underwent a change of ownership that brought a different philosophy to the company. Their proposed deal with the developer of all this stuff along the front on 278 fell through, as, yeah. as many of those deals do. And the door opened for us uh, at that point in time. Um, uh, but we knew it was going to take resources beyond our operating budget uh, and beyond what what our congregation had undertaken, anything our congregation had undertaken at that point uh, in time. Uh, at the time, Hargrave initially kind of thought that building was worth closer to $1.6 million. And uh, I don't think we'd ever raised more than $300,000 as a congregation, sure. even when we moved into this yeah. building. So you talk about a God-sized leap. That was, that was the moment that we had. Yeah. But we kept praying about it, kept talking about it, and we figured out that there was a way to continue to take care of operations in the church without slighting our mission at all, to continue to be uh, Christ's uh, hands and feet in the community with all of the uh, outreach and community activities to, to um, 
start planting a church in Belize. And I was part of that Belize trip. And the young man that we are working with, the young pastor we're working with in Belize, Kevin Zib, th this guy is on fire yeah, for God. Absolutely. I mean, he really is. So you talk about the Great Commission, bringing, bringing people to Christ and serving those in our community. All this stuff just fell into place, mm -hmm. and we figured out, you know what, the, the, we've got to challenge ourselves, but we believe the resources are there, and fortunately, you all responded uh, and are allowing us to, to do uh, all of those things. Th this is not about, All In was never about building the Taj Mahal, being the mm -hmm. biggest, the, the best, the fanciest. I mean, th this is not what I would call fancy. <laughs> Building B, and for the crew that was in there ripping up carpet yesterday, they know that is not fancy. But it allows us to serve the mission that we were put here uh, to do, and that is bring people to Christ and uh, serve a as a, a conduit, as a tool in this community to help those in need. I don't know if you realize this or not, half of the children that live on this island, that live on Hilton Head Island, are eligible for free and reduced yeah. lunches. This is Hilton Head Island. This is paradise. Yeah. So, so, so the need is there. That's just one example, but the need is there. This gives us the resources to continue to grow, to continue to fulfill that mission. Mm -hmm. And um, God just God put it all in, in, into place. Uh, the, the elders, um, Laura, our treasurer, we all worked together, rolled up our sleeves, figured out how to, about how much money it was going to take, uh, figured out a, a deal with Hargrade, uh, uh, get the building and made all of those numbers work and um, it's it's working according to plan thanks to your generosity and and thanks thanks to your generosity thanks to your help those of you who and if you saw mike kind of kind of gingerly walking up on stage he was one of the guys that was taking carpet out yesterday which is a very very taxing job and so um man I, i'm just so thankful for you mike and your your wise counsel that you've given us and your vision i remember mike saying to me um is is the possibility of us purchasing building b is it going to give us a sign on 278 and i said there's no guarantee there's no guarantee but it does give us the distinct possibility that we would get a much larger sign. You know, in fact, that was one of the conditions yep. we wrote into our purchase agreement with Hargrave. We said, look, uh, we got to have a sign. Whether you give us yours or we get our own, you got you to gotta consent to work with us to get a sign. So it was a big deal to us. And, and by the way, uh, I had him come up today, but um, this, is, this is just another God thing. That sign was installed this week. Um, I had no clue that I would be talking about this on the very week after six months of, of going through the process of just the sign alone. And so finally, we as a church really have a, a large announcement that we are here for the first time. We've, we're 12 years old, and for the first time, we, we have um, a, a visibility on 278. And Mike, I'm, I'm very thankful for all of the way that you stretched my faith, my man. Thank you, buddy. Love you, man. Thank you, buddy. Now, some of you may be thinking, is it easy for you, Todd, to talk about this? You're a pastor, and, and pastors, everything in their life is perfect, and it's fine, and you never have any money trouble, and this is easy for you to talk about the faith part, the love part. It's simple, right? That is not true, okay? So um, I, I got to tell you that I struggle with this issue of where is my love? What's the source of my love? And who do I trust? I struggle with it on a daily basis. A daily basis and for me it's part of 
the working out of my salvation and the working out of this. But when I see God work, when I see those 32 kids who have come to know Christ as their Savior, that fuels that the source of my love is Jesus. And that fuels that the source of my trust and my faith is the God that gave us salvation. And so I want to end today on a personal and corporate level with asking you these questions. What do you really value? What do you really love? And how much do you really trust God? I'm going to ask our worship team to come up here. And I want to give you a moment to think about those two questions. What do I really value or love? How much do I really trust God? I'm not going to ask for commitment. I'm not going to ask you to to do that. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit. Listen, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's got it. He's got it. I'm not a bit worried about it. I've seen him provide every step of the way. And you heard a lot of that from Mike. You heard a lot of that over the course of these years. But I, what I would hate as your pastor, I would hate for you to miss out. I would hate for you to be left behind. I would hate for you to, to miss the great joy that it is to be a part of something so big, a vision that seems beyond us but also watching God provide both in your family and your financial life individually with maybe your business, but also with your church. So I want to give you a moment just to ponder, what do I really value and how much do I really trust God? I ask you to close your eyes this morning. I ask you to think about those questions for a moment. doesn't happen too much where we have just a moment of quiet. I'm just going to give you a moment of quiet to ponder those two questions. What do I really love or value? How much do I really trust today and uh, you've been struggling with either of those issues maybe something has really taken place this morning and you'd say Todd I really am struggling with having Jesus be the center of the object of my love and I'm really struggling with trusting God to a larger extent, I'm just going to ask you in the quietness of this place with every head bowed and every eye closed just to raise your hand. I'm raising mine right now too, by the way, and I want to pray for you. So would you raise your hand if, you're, if you'd say, Todd, I'm, I'm struggling with one or both of these issues. Just raise your hand. There's hands all over the room. You're, you're not alone in this. Keep your hands up for a moment. Just keep your hands up for a moment. Father, I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus that you would be with each one of us who are struggling with this, who are challenged in this area right now. God, I pray that you would renew our first love. God, I pray that you would be the thing that we love, that we wouldn't love the 
the things that culture says, that the world says, but that we would have you as the object of what we love and what we value. And Father, I pray for those in this room who in their finances and in terms of being a part of all in are are really struggling to trust you. God, I pray that you would deepen their faith. God, I pray that you would help them to learn and practice having their faith stretched so that they can trust you at a deeper level. You can put your hands down. God, I pray that you would be with us, that we would recognize that you are in control and that every fear that we have, every moment of worry, every moment of desperation in terms of those things in our lives that are so intensely personal, God, you have got it. You're with us every step. Help us to not just understand that in our minds, but help us to believe that in our hearts and live it out in our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.